This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books um, page-by-page and chapter-by-chapter. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And before we get started, just want to remind you to please rate and review us on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us five stars with some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And you can find this link in the episode description, but come and hang out with us on Discord. You can talk about this show or our other shows. Have a great time. The Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. All right. So today we are talking about the Mire of Dross Leona. And in this chapter, Aragon and Brom arrive at Drosleona. They kind of enter the city. Um, Aragon and Saphir kind of have a conversation about what Aragon's going to do after they're done with the Razag. And then Brom and Aragon go and uh, have a grand old time getting themselves super drunk. And that's really all that happens in this chapter. Not a very long chapter. Oh, we also see Hellgrind for the, this Hellgrind for the first point, which is like a weird rock mountain formation. Yeah, um, this was a really interesting chapter, and I mean, nothing really happens. It's it's literally four pages. It's not very much at all. Um, I think it's interesting that Safira is wondering about what's next. Um, I I don't necessarily know if she if I would have guessed that she had been like aware enough of like what was happening to really think about that since she's been left behind so much I guess she's been updated but anyway um it's also interesting that she brings up the Varden and Aragon is hesitant and resistant to that idea mm-hmm. um and then this lore about this Hellgrind or Hellgrind place mm-hmm. it it doesn't really tell us what it is it just like kind of gives us context clues like to figure it out but it's really interesting that this is also a religion and it's a very violent religion and they drink blood and practice human sacrifice and just all those kinds of things that are very yikes uh to our modern sensibilities i i really want this is one of the big like conversations i if i got to meet with uh Pelini. I would want to ask about the religion of Hellgrind, the priest of Hellgrind, because he takes what is often a pretty common, like, religious ideology among, like, especially among early Christians, which is the idea that your mat, the matter, your flesh, limits you from interacting with the spiritual world. 
you know, this takes it to a big extreme that maybe like one or two little small groups might have taken it to in our world. But I just think that's very interesting, uh, that influence there. And I would just want to talk about it with him. Yeah, well, I also think it's interesting that like, it it takes it even a step further, maybe even an opposite step, because it's like the priest's prize being like having missing limbs like mm-hmm. they think that that makes them closer to their god right. but like their god is a mountain like it's just confusing to me i don't think i understand it fully um i'll just tell you this there's more to the priest of hell grind coming up um there's more going around and we will learn a lot about them as the series goes on well, that's great because I found it very interesting and fascinating. Um, I think that Aragon's hesitancy to join the Varden, to me, is an ex- is a point of why he should go and join the Varden. Because I don't think anyone who really relishes fighting for their entire life, who relishes like taking part in this prolonged violence should go and fight in a rebellion that's seeking to make the world a better place yeah the hunger games people could take a a book out of this page a page out of this book no i agree with that i agree with that very much and i do think if his eventual goal is to eventually defeat galbatorix which why wouldn't it be if he's trying to fight the razak like galbatorix is the one that sent them supposedly so you know exactly um that's his best chance at defeating galbatorix so why wouldn't he take that is kind of my thought exactly um It's just that I think Aragon is still under the delusion that this is just a vengeance quest. Like, once he's done with the Razak, he can go and just live a normal life. It's funny. It's it's very, like, young person um, because it's, it's, yes, I think you're right that he is under that delusion. But then at the same time, when he got his fate read, he's like, oh, I don't, I, I know I can't ever go back to the life of, of Carvajal like I once had. And it's like, do you know that? Are you sure you know that? Because I don't think you know that. He might know it intellectually. But does he really know it on an intimate level? Has he processed what that means for his hopes and dreams? No, I do not think so. Um, And, you know, I think we do need to talk about with coming into Drosleona before we get into Braum and Aragon's uh, party night. Um Aragon, this is Aragon's first encounter with like extreme poverty and urban poverty. Yeah, I very much related to Aragon in this chapter because I grew up in a very rural area and we did not have this. Like we did not have people who were begging on the streets. Like that's not something I ever saw until I went to big cities. And, and frankly, I 
I didn't go to a lot of large cities until I was grown. Um, and when I was a teenager, I traveled out of the country for the first time and saw urban poverty for the first time and had the exact same experience that Aragon has and thought a lot of the same things that he thought. So I very much related to him um, in this chapter and, and he just reminded me of me in that moment where he's like trying to process this and can't really come up with a reason why this is allowed. Right. Um, For people to I, live this way, you know? And I think that there was a like we both, even I grew up in an urban area, but the city I grew up in, it does have poverty and people around it, but if you are in certain areas, you won't see it. And so when we went to Chicago for the first time, like it's so much more prevalent and in your face. And if you're not used to being around that, it's very shocking to you. Um, and it can be very shocking about how callous people around you seem to where someone can be standing right next to them and they act like they don't exist. Mm -hmm. Like they're not a human being. Mm hmm. And even if you, I mean, we're getting way off tangent here, so let's, let's move on. But um, yeah, this is a, a major learning moment for Aragon. But I also think something else about this chapter that kind of goes along with this is the portrayal of the city entirely. And this homelessness population, the violence of the city is used to draw it as an opposite, as a foil to the city of Tiram. There were no homeless people that we were told about in Tiram. There, there was was not. There were was trouble coming in from the outside, but there wasn't any poverty inside the city that was like this. There wasn't violence inside the city that was like this. So I think Paulini is very intentionally drawing opposites between the two cities, between the planned, orderly, nice, kind city of Tiram and the chaotic, violent, dirty city of Drosleona. Evil city. You could even call it a difference between good and evil cities. And if we want to talk about it, uh, Drosleona is a major city of the Empire. We've already established that in the previous chapters. Uh, Tiram is also a major city of the Empire, but Tiram is on the coast and is like in these towns that are separated from the rest of Allegasia by the spine, by the mountain range. And in this kind of world, like we don't think about, you know, how much the Rockies separate the eastern part of the United States from the western part of the United States. But they do, like geographically. And when you're in, when you don't have planes, you don't have cars to get places quickly, Galvatorix probably doesn't really care that much what actually goes on in Tiram um, and what the people are doing and if they're obeying his laws or living in the way that he wants to do it, as long as Tiram's goods are moving flawlessly into the empire. And, but Drosleona is dead in the heart of the empire. The only city that's more dead in the middle would be Urbane. And you kind of see like, Drosleona kind of paints this more picture of like 
the oppressive yoke of an oppressive ruler mm -hmm. more than Tyrum does. Tyrum kind of paints this like, look at this free market capitalist dream that's going on here. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think also the... I feel like Drosleona, because it is closer to Urubane, because it's, you know, just its location generally, I feel like it is going to be portrayed in the coming chapters as this is what the empire is like. This is what the empire wants for all of Allegasia. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then so then Brahm and Aragon kind of have like their drinks or whatever and i think it would be really easy to like write brahm off as you know callous and that he doesn't care about the suffering of the people around him because he's basically just like it gets better as you go in like mm -hmm. just keep moving like this is a dangerous place it'd be very easy to write brahm off as callous here but i think kind of stepping in brahm's shoes is he's weathered He's lived the world. He knows that a, you know, a well-meaning, good-hearted, who wants to help people, individual like Aragon, is going to be eaten alive in these cities. Right. And also, like, once you've seen massive suffering, once you've seen... I'm not going to assume that Brahm has seen genocide, but, like, once you've seen really horrible stuff like that a person begging for money at a city gate doesn't seem as bad especially if you've seen people get murdered if you've seen people assassinated if you've seen magical duels if you've seen some of these things that i assume brahm has seen if you've done that killing somebody suffering uh poverty and begging for money well there could be worse fates, I'm sure, is how Brom kind of looks at it. And I would assume Brom at some point believes that he doesn't want that suffering to happen, but he believes the best way to do to end that is to overthrow Galatorix. And Brom has made it no secret that he thinks Aragon is the best way to do that. Right. Absolutely. And so then his goal is to protect Aragon so he can do that. And I would agree with with Brom. Which uh, Brom then introduces Aragon to the world-renowned and well-practiced coping mechanism of drinking your troubles away. Yeah, doesn't really work that well, though. No. Right. Uh, but I like how Safira is, like, playing the moral, like, high ground here. Of, mm -hmm. like, you've drank too much. It made me laugh out loud that she was mad that he got drunk or tipsy. It right. literally made me laugh out loud. Just wait. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. So do you got any predictions? I do. I have three. And I'm going to start with my last one first, because it goes into what we were just talking about. I think that Brom is not going to be anywhere near as hungover as Aragon will be. Mm -mm. That is my prediction. <laughs> I think that's I think that's less of a prediction and that's more of a fact. I mean, come on, <laughs> listen to Brom. That man knows how to drink. Oh, that is fair. Um, I'm counting it though. Yeah. 
Um, so my two like real predictions are, I get the feeling that Safira, I just get, I'm getting nervous for Safira. Mm-hmm. I feel like when this city was being described, it felt like there were more and more people around. And, you know, with with more and more people around, there's more and more chance that she'll be caught. And so I feel like I feel like she's going to get caught soon. Somebody's going to see her and it's going to be bad. Right. And then my last prediction, which may be way off base, but my last prediction is that the Razak will not be here in the city. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. And well, those are all my predictions. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, I think we can end it here. So thank you all for listening to the Heritage Cycle Page by Page podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.